Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Back on the podcast waves here Monday, March 30th, 4.25 p.m. On today's episode, EA and I are basically going to go through free agency, not only in terms of the Jets, but in terms of the AFC East, a little bit of the entire NFL, and basically do like a superlative style podcast here where we're going to answer some questions in terms of the Jets, like who who's somebody that's either signed with the Jets officially or reportedly agreed to terms with that EA and I are excited to see in green and white and questions along those lines. And then Olivia Landis was joined by Ralph Vacchiano of SNY. But EA, just first things first, do you have a nice weekend in quarantine land? Uh, Green's a great weekend. Again, we're thinking about everybody out there, especially those out on the front line. Uh, But free agency is rolling on for the New York Jets and everybody else in the National Football League. And that draft is right around the corner, only about three-plus weeks away. But, you know, I'm happy to take a deep-dive look at free agency so far about two weeks in. Okay, just want to start things off here. The first one is, which free agent signing that became official by the Jets or which reported signing, so agreement to terms, agreement in principle, who's somebody in anybody, it could be either or, are you most excited to see play in the green and white? Well, I think you got to go to a new player, right? You know, because uh, we've had an opportunity to watch Neville Hewitt blossom before our eyes, or a guy like Brian Poole really flourish under Greg Williams, or Alex Lewis showcases tenacity inside the trenches. Uh, I'll take uh, a player who it was announced on Monday that it is official. Connor McGovern, now a New York Jet, signing with the Jets. 26 years old. Uh, Greens started 13 games. I mean, started all 16 games for the Broncos last season. And 31 in the last 32. It always catches my eye when a center does not commit a penalty. And Connor McGovern did not commit a penalty last year for the Broncos. Also, last two years or last two years with the uh, Denver Broncos, Phillip Lindsay became the first undrafted free agent running back in NFL history to eclipse the 1,000-yard mark. Uh, McGovern's considered uh, a very good pass protector, and he also gets after it in the run game. And he has position flexibility. You know Joe Douglas likes that, being the former offensive lineman at Richmond himself. Uh, he can play guard as well, and that's where he started his NFL career. So interesting, interested to see McGovern and if indeed he is the Jets' new pivot. Especially when you consider that the pivot has been a, has been pretty much in flux ever since Nick Mangold retired. Uh, there seems there was Wesley Johnson one year, then it was Jonathan Harrison, there's Spencer Long, there's Ryan Khalil, kind of a revolving door there. So I'm excited to see McGovern too. For me. The person that I want to focus on also on the offensive line is somebody that the Jets reportedly agreed to terms with. That's George Fant. And to me, I'm excited because the thing that stands out with Fant is the athleticism. In Seattle, he played both on the left and the right side, started for Dwayne Brown on the left side when Brown went down. And I want to see what this guy has because the one word that you hear in terms of George Fant is one, athleticism, and two, is upside because he's somebody who has rare size and rare athletic ability of that size. And we've talked about his basketball 
background in college before. And I was just looking this up today, and I'm not trying to compare these guys by any stretch of the imagination, but somebody that was a rather, you know, it wasn't an early bloomer in the sense of he was a first-round picker, whatever. Jason Peters is somebody that was undrafted in 2004, signs with the Bills, practice squad player his first, becomes a full-time starter three seasons after the fact, and that's similar to George Fant. And I'm not saying George Fant is going to become Jason Peters by any means, but I'm saying his athletic ability is rare, and I'm excited to see what he can bring to the green and white. Okay, so that was that question. Now let's go to kind of the opposite here. Which free agent signing, official or not, meaning free agent signing or reportedly agreed to terms for the New York Jets, do you think has the most to prove? Let's stick on the offensive side of the ball. Let's go to a skill position. Let's talk about Brashad Perryman. Uh, I would say most to prove because former first-round pick, so a lot of expectations for a guy who was selected 26 overall in 2015 out of Central Florida. With that being said, uh, when you look at the Jets, where they are at, at wide receiver, they need help on the outside, and Perryman flourished down the stretch for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Remember last year playing under Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians there in Tampa, they had a pair of stud receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And still down the stretch, Perryman flourished, 36 receptions, 645 yards, almost 18 yards of reception, six touchdowns at all. We talked about what he did down the stretch over that those final five games with the Buccaneers. But this is a big time talent he has big time ability i just think that when you think of of former first round picks great job by joe douglas low risk potentially high reward and if you just look at the way he finished last year maybe perryman is a late bloomer he's had some hiccups along the way with injuries and things like that but the jets are getting a guy who should feel awfully good about himself coming to play with a very accurate quarterback when he has time in Sam Darnold, who also can deliver on the money vertically. I, I like that answer. And in terms of Perriman, I think that if you're a Jets fan, you're hoping that the last five games of the season, really Perriman turned a corner and he carries that into 2020. For me, I'm going on the defensive side of the ball for me, it's Pierre Desir, who the Jets reportedly agreed to terms with after he was officially released by the Indianapolis Colts. And he had a great, a stellar, really, 2018 in Indianapolis. He started 12 games for the Colts, and he had only one pick. He had eight pass defenses, and then he gets um, then he gets a, a deal from the Colts, and he ends up being released a year later. He only started 11 games last year in 2019, and it feels like that he had a an injury-plague season, even though he didn't miss a whole lot of time. And you just get the sense that Pierre Desir is one of those players that he bounced around a little early in his career. He was uh, two years with the Browns, then one year with the Chargers before spending the last three with the Colts. And I think that Pierre Desir definitely has the size that you're looking for in a corner, 6'1", 192. He's 29 years old. He'll be 30 when the season starts, assuming it starts on time. And I think that he has an opportunity here to, one, come in and start right away, just given the numbers that the Jets have on the outside, as we 
talk here on March 30th. And two, I think that he's shown flashes where he can be a legitimate player. I've seen on Twitter a lot of people posting clips when he was lining up against DeAndre Hopkins and those two teams, the Colts and the Texans, obviously see each other twice a year. So I think that Pierre Desir has a lot to prove, but he also has a great opportunity ahead of him. And moving on to our next question, which re-signing, whether it's official or reported agreed to terms, do you think will turn out to be the most beneficial for the Jets if we're talking like a year from now? Well, I, you know, call me a homer, but I like all the resignings. You know, Alex <laughs> Lewis, I, I, I do. Alex Lewis started, what, 12 games for your last season? And there was a reason why Joe Douglas went out and sent a seventh-round pick, seventh round pick to the Ravens, because he didn't want to chance it when he hit waivers. Neville Hewitt uh, had a career year last year and flourished, and we've talked at length about the depth at the inside linebacker position. But I'm going with B. Poole. I'm going with the Florida Gator. I'm going with the nickel corner, who was fantastic last season. 749 defensive snaps. He also contributed 91 plays on special teams, Greens. Um, this is a guy who we saw get a safety in week one, standing up Frank Gore, one of the toughest running backs in NFL history at the goal line at MetLife Stadium. Then the pick six against the Raiders. He was an integral part of the NFL's number two run defense. It's like you have a linebacker down in the box, and he plays such a critical role. Um, covering those guys, those shifty guys uh, who run those multiple option routes. Uh, and Brian Poole, uh, a physical player who's just a perfect fit for this defense. I didn't want to see him anywhere else. So let's take the Gator. I like that answer. I was between Brian Poole and Jordan Jenkins, and I'm going to go with Jordan Jenkins, who reportedly re-signed with the Jets. And for Jenkins, he's somebody – that every year since he was drafted in 2016 in the third round, his sack production has increased to the point last season when he had a career-high eight sacks, and we've talked about it before, you could make the argument that he could have reached 10 sacks had he played in a full 16 games. Well, I think that there's a good chance this season that Jordan Jenkins could get 10 sacks, especially if you look at the trajectory of his career so far. So I think the Jordan Jenkins re-signing very imperative for the Jets, not only from pass rush, but also when you look at what he does against the run, I think that he's got that dog mentality. That's not a Georgia pun, but he's got that dog mentality that Greg Williams is looking for. And I think that was an integral to your point, Brian Poole, an integral part of the Jets number two run defense and a part of this defense overall. I think Jordan Jenkins, the same thing. And, and, and Greens, I would say all these guys that we're talking about, and, and I'm glad you took Jordan Jenkins there and went with the Bulldog. We stayed in the SEC, per se, is that th these guys are great cultural fits. And I don't want to get us off tangent here as we continue with our little question series reviewing free agency. But the Alex Lewis's, the Jordan Jenkins, the Brian Pools, the mm -hmm. Neville Hewitts, and the list goes on. Those guys are big fits in the room as well as what they bring to the table on the football field. Very well said. A couple other guys that you think that the Jets re-signed or reportedly re-signed. Bennett Jackson, Arthur Millette, James Burgess, just to name a few more. And real quick, let's hear from Olivia Landis, who caught up with Ralph Vacchiano. General Manager Joe Douglas, obviously in his first year as the Jets GM. There's been some reports around the league by multiple NFL analysts 
on some moves that he's already made. Heading into free agency, he made it very clear both vocally and to everybody that one of his first priorities was going to be building that offensive line. When you look at some of the moves he's made regarding the offensive line so far, what stands out to you most? Well, the overall focus of Joe Douglas on that offensive line has stood out, and it's exactly what he promised to do, and he went out and did it. Um, he didn't do it by going out and doing kind of making the mistakes that a lot of people do in free agency where they go out and they buy the biggest ticket items, the most expensive players, the biggest names. He didn't do that. He approached this like a scout and found guys who he valued, who he fit his system, who he could get on reasonable deals. And when you look at what he's brought in, uh, you know, George Fant at left tackle, Connor McGovern at center, uh, Greg Van Roten at guard. Uh, he brings back Alex Lewis at guard, a guy he traded for from the Ravens last summer. All of these players um, are upgrades over what they had last year. And they may not be exciting signings. They're not the, the flashy ones that'll get the, the back pages in New York or get the fans pumped up. But this is how you win. He, he said this is what he was going to do. He said you have to build that line. You need that to win. And, you know, he, he kept his promise. When you look at some of these additions along the offensive line, what makes this offense now different with some of the new players that he's added? Well, we can only hope that it's different. Obviously, Joe Douglas yeah. knows a lot more about some of these players than I do, than really anybody does. I, I don't think most of us have seen George Fant play uh, at left tackle. I'm, I'm assuming, I'm sure you know, we'll talk about this at some point, um, I'm assuming they're going to draft another tackle as well. The finishing pieces aren't there, but what will be better, what will be different is you know, Sam Darnold will not be running for his life as he was so much towards the end of last year when he was finally healthy. Uh, Le'Veon Bell will have room to run, actual holes that he can get through. Um, that transforms the offense. You have two dynamic playmakers and a, and a great young quarterback who I think is going to be just a fantastic player for years to come. Le'Veon Bell, one of the best running backs in the league when he's healthy, when he gets going. If you don't have the offensive line in front of them, it doesn't matter. Their, their ability just doesn't matter at all. You need to block for them. You need to protect them. You need to open the holes. And in, in theory, that's what this offensive line will be able to do that last year's offensive line couldn't. Ralph, we're already nearly two weeks into free agency so far. A lot of people always talk about that initial first wave of free agency, but it's still going. And I don't know yeah. if a lot of people know that. But what is the biggest difference between that first initial wave and maybe some of the guys that kind of go under the radar that the Jets can snag? Well, the biggest difference, obviously, is price, usually. Um, any guy that's still out there now, with maybe the exception of Jadavian Clowney is the big name, um, the edge rusher that everybody seems to want. Most people are going to get um, deals that are much shorter, lower price than they wanted, than anybody expected. They're going to be bargains now. And this is where general managers really uh, earn their money. You know, the, the big splashy free agents, the top guys, those are easy to find. It's can they use the remaining cap room? Can he find a cornerback that maybe nobody's looking at who can fill in the way, you know, Brian Poole last year was a bargain free agent, came in a one-year deal, played terrific for the Jets. Can they find a receiver, for example, the way they just found Brashad Perriman? Very inexpensive deal when you look at him. He's as good numbers-wise, speed-wise, as Robbie Anderson, who they lost. So um, now that second wave are guys who are not going to necessarily 
excite you when you hear the names. They're not going to be break the bank type free agents, but you know, for a good team you know, towards the end of the year, if the Jets are completing for a playoff spot, you may look at some of these guys and think, "Wow, I can't believe that the Jets got them for that little." You know, those are the bargains that the GMs now have to find. Besides the offense, the Jets obviously have a lot of holes to fill on this roster. It's been reported that they made some cuts already, and they're bringing some former players back onto the defense. When you look at this defense and what Greg Williams did with it, they were ranked number seven overall as a defense in the league, number two against the run. What other holes do they need to fill to provide Greg Williams with what he needs to succeed? Yeah, first of all, Greg Williams was a miracle worker last year. And I I think what he did was, you know, we all looked at the defense and thought the players just aren't there. But he showed us that in the right scheme, they are there. And, you know, guys who we didn't think a lot of last year, Neville Hewitt, um, James Burgess, linebacker, are now being brought back because Greg Williams knows how to use them. And there's value in players like that. So, um, you know, the things he's able to do, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't necessarily need that. We talked about Clowney a little while ago. Obviously, the Jets could use an edge rusher. They bring Jordan Jenkins back. Um, that will help as well. They don't necessarily need that one guy who's going to get 17, 18 sacks because Greg Williams knows how to use the pieces that he has. Um, what are they missing? Depth at cornerback is something I'd like to see more of. Uh, both of their starting cornerbacks, Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts, um, have been cut or will be cut, uh, you know, according to our reporting. Um, I think that they need they need that edge rusher, even with Jordan Jenkins supposedly coming back. I think that uh, they could use some other help in that edge rushing department. Um, but for the most part, he has more players there than we ever gave him credit for. Um, adding some depth, adding a few more under-the-radar pieces, they could be even better, and it's mostly because he's such a good coach. Ralph, when you look at free agency as a whole and really just the Jets, considering the draft is coming up, although we're not quite sure what's going to happen with that yet, there's still a lot of free agency left. What are some of your final expectations or moves that you expect Joe Douglas to make before the start of the 2020 season? Yeah, the the two things that I'm watching are um, offensive line because I don't believe he's done yet with that um, rebuilding project. And receiver, because I just don't think the Jets have enough weapons right now. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll start with receiver. Obviously, Jameson Crowder was terrific uh, with Robbie Anderson gone and Brashad Perriman coming in. That's, you know, it's kind of a pretty close to one for one swap there. Beyond that, I'd like to see Sam get a few more weapons. And this draft from everything scouts and, and personnel people have told me over the last few months, this is an incredibly deep drafted receiver um, in, even in the second and third round. So I could see the Jets definitely adding one receiver um, in those first two days, uh, maybe more. There's a couple of free agents, you know, bargain guys still out there, but they need guys for Sam Darnold to uh, target, to guys, and hopefully somebody who's kind of a game-breaker, either with speed or ability, just something where he can change the way a defense plays. Um, and the offensive line, you know, when you look across that offensive line, you know, assuming George Fant is the left tackle and everybody else is sort of an interior guy, there's still that right tackle spot. So maybe he moves Fant to the right side and drafts a left tackle. Maybe he drafts a right tackle. But I got to believe that with that 11th overall pick, you know, receiver might be in play, but there are still some really good offensive linemen that should be there. I think he's going to end up drafting a tackle in that spot. So those are the two positions I'm kind of waiting to see what happens next. 
there's a lot of time left still. The draft is coming up, like we just talked about. Still a lot of moves to be made in free agency. So we'll have to see where Joe Douglas goes for the remainder of the time. But for now, Ralph, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate your input. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Olivia. Anytime. Thanks to Olivia and Ralph and EA. Let's dive right back into our question series here. Let's uh, let's hit the market here. I'm going to say who's somebody that's on the market still, so unrestricted free agent, that you think could potentially be a good fit for this Jets team, whether it be on offense or defense. Going back to the offensive side of the ball, let me stay at tackle. And Joe Douglas knows the line better than anybody. There's two guys on the market right now who I have my name on. I have my eye on. Jason Peters, 38 years old, uh, nine-time pro bowler, 6'4", 328 pounds, another guy, lead-by-example type. Um, it's interesting that he is still out there. What does his future uh, hold, uh, you know, Joe Douglas knows this, this man very well. And also everybody talks about what he brings to the table from an intangible standpoint. The other guy that is completely went under the radar is the guy who told our own people that he thought he had his best year last year. And that's Calvin Beecham. So Calvin Beecham, another guy who uh, really makes a ton of contributions inside the community. And he also uh, a studying presence for that offensive line last year that suffered so many injuries. So I think either one of those guys, they, they would be good fits. I, I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to avoid Jadavian Clowney because he's somebody, he's unrestricted free agent right now, and obviously he could make an impact on whatever team he ends up with. I want to go kind of that next layer and somebody keeping it at edge that I think that had a good year last year for the Crosstown Giants, that's Marcus Golden, and Joe Douglas has talked about adding some presence at edge. And on every team, because he said on defense, if you're keeping up with the passing league, you got to affect the pass. And that comes in two ways, getting after the quarterback and in the secondary. And the Jets reportedly re-signed Jordan Jenkins. And to add Marcus Golden, who had 10 sacks last year, played in 16 games with the Giants. I think, you know, he's had a kind of a peaks and valleys career so far. Like he had 12 and a half sacks with the Cardinals in 2016 and then had two and a half in 2018. So I think that he's somebody that's been streaky, but I think that he could add some value there. And on at corner, I mean, it's basically whoever Joe Douglas and company think could add to this team. I think that the Jets are probably going to look at corners, whether it be in the draft or free agency. But that's who I have my eye on in particular, somebody like Marcus Golden. And I just want to wrap things up by talking about the Jets one more time. Where do you think that the Jets can can continue to be active as the spring rolls on? And then where do you think that they won't be so active before the draft starts? All right, let's start where they don't have to be, and I don't anticipate they will be. Defensive side of the ball, you are sad at inside linebacker. I don't remember ever a time that the Jets had so much depth at the position. That speaks to the coaching and the development here. Uh, Frank Bush, Greg Williams, because whoever they had out there last year were so productive. At the tight end position, uh, I feel it's awfully similar offensively where you have four guys, especially if Herndon comes back healthy greens, 
those are two positions where I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, you go to sleep tonight, you know, you're set there. Um, tackle offensively, uh, because Joe Douglas and his staff have attacked the interior offensive line, so tackle. Uh, across the way, wide receiver, we talked about Perryman, uh, Perryman earlier, right? So uh, there's some question marks. Who's going to be lining up maybe across the way? We know Jameson Crowder's the slot. Backup quarterback, because the Jets 0-6 the last two years in games that Sam Darnold has not started. Remember, Sam Darnold 7-6 and as a starter last year. Backup running back, Le'Veon Bell remains one of the top talents in football. I don't care what his numbers say. Last year, you go back and look at the film, what he brings to the table as a blocker, as a receiver, uh, you know, listen, Le'Veon Bell is still, uh, he's still a very effective player, especially if he gets some more blocking up front. Um, But who's going to be behind him? Because Bilal Powell and Ty Montgomery, unrestricted free agents. So there's some question marks back there. And then defensively, you talked about it before, cornerback and edge. Very well said, and particularly the positions that stand out to me, and we discussed this in the video series, is quarterback and running back, just because right now Mike White is the only quarterback outside of Sam Darnold on the roster, and he was a practice squad player for the Jets. There's still a lot of moves to be made here in free agency, and you know we have to say this again and feel like we're beating a dead horse, but the Jets have four picks in the top 79 and in the draft, and two of the most rich positions are tackle and wide receiver. So if the Jets don't address one of those positions through free agency between now and the draft, they could very well address it in the draft. And the same thing goes for edge and corner. But you think about this receiver class in particular, it's it's been touted to be potentially historic, not only with talent up top, but ta- but real depth here too, where you could get a contributor, if not a starter from day one, in round four or before. So a lot of moves to be made, but the Jets still have a lot of time to shore up this roster. And that was Monday's podcast here on the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Thanks to Olivia, Ralph, EA. Stay home, stay strong, and we'll talk again tomorrow.